Welcome to the Restricted Area Podcast. I'm Matt, back with my friend Mitch. Mitch, what's up, man? What's good, bro? Chill, man. Um, let's get into some ball, but because we got a lot to talk about. But before we do all that, uh, I just want to tell you guys to uh, follow us, rate us, subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast at the Restricted Area Podcast. Leave us some thoughts if you've got any, and um, do the same thing on SoundCloud, same name. And check us out on Twitter at TRA underscore pod. We're active on there, posting highlights, thoughts, commentary, things like that. And definitely feel free to tweet us ideas and stuff and things you'd like for us to talk about on the podcast because we're going to try to incorporate some fan input soon. And with all that being said, let's get into it, Mitch. So um, I think the first thing we need to talk about is the Jimmy Butler trade. And for our listeners who somehow don't know all the specifics by now, the deal was Minnesota traded Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton for Robert Covington, Dario Saric, and a future second rounder. Uh, Jared Bayless may have been involved in that deal too. Not positive on that, but it's not that big a deal. He might just get waived. Um, okay, so initial thoughts, Mitch, go. Um, so, yeah, I like the trade for both teams. I think the Sixers got that third star, even though I don't, I'm not sure how the fit between Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler is going to turn out. Um, they went for it, they got their third star, and I think it gives them a better chance to be able to compete with Toronto and. Uh, Boston in the playoffs and then I like the deal for Minnesota because it gives them two pieces to fit around their young center in towns and hopefully this will create more opportunities for him to score give him the ball in his hands more and it was obvious obvious that him and Butler weren't working so they had to get rid of Butler so that Towns can move on and start playing some better uh, better basketball you know what I'm saying so yeah, I actually want to start with Minnesota. So I think the biggest takeaways from this deal is it's kind of time to put up or shut up, I think, for Towns. We're going to see if he's really capable of leading a good team now. Because since before the Butler deal, you could have said he was really young. He didn't have experience, things like that. Now he's been to the playoffs. Now he knows what it takes to win. And now he's a couple years older. So we're going to see if uh, Towns has what it takes to get it done. And also, now we're going to see... Yeah, man. <laughs> um, okay. Come on, man. Pick up your phone. My bad, bro. All right. Okay, so now we're also going to see, since it's been two years since Wiggins has had the opportunity to be the primary perimeter threat again, we're going to see if he's improved any facets of that game. Although it doesn't really look like it to me. He's still a bad defensive player, a weak rebounder. He doesn't facilitate well. An average to slightly above average, I guess, three-point shooter, but... And so I, those, it's just we're going to see if those two young guys are really worth the contracts that they have because they're both making max money. And, I mean, the players they got to put around those two, I think, are as good of role players as you can reasonably ask for. Covington is a perfect fit everywhere. And Sarge will either fit really nicely next to Towns as a starter or be an awesome six-man for them. Um, do you think this is still kind of a playoff team or at least a playoff threat? For the Timberwolves? Yeah. Uh... I think they're definitely a threat. I think they can make the AC in theory, but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's just we've never seen, like, as much as we talk about their young core of Wiggins and Towns, we've never seen them win without Butler, you know what I'm saying? And before Butler got there, right. they, they won, what, 31 games the year before he got yep. there? So we have to see if they can win on their own. The and I'm thing not is, sure they can. I feel like – I feel like so many of, like, the bottom-dwelling West teams, so, like, let's say we'll throw the Spurs in there, we'll throw the Lakers in there, we'll throw maybe New Orleans in there. Like, those teams are probably so happy about this, you know what I mean? Because it's just one less competitor, potentially. I don't think this is still a playoff team. I think they really needed Jimmy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, um, But, like, I'm curious again. Like, now I feel like we're finally getting back to see. Like, I understand. Like, I kind of get – the idea of who Towns is more than I do Wiggins, and I feel like we're about to find out more about Wiggins. I I want him to be good. He's just been such an uninspiring player to me for the first three or four years of his career. Yeah, I mean, hopefully with Butler being gone, he'll decide to, like, step up. Because he has the talent. Like, he has spurts where he looks like a great basketball player, but he's just too inconsistent. Hopefully with Jimmy If his Butler, whole career he po- – if right. Wiggins' whole career was against the Cavs or in Toronto, he'd be the greatest player of all time. He goes yeah. off in those scenarios. Yeah. He averages like 29 a game or like even maybe a little bit more. Or like eh, around 29 a game against both. And like it's pretty nice. Um, 
If you had to, so, if you had to say there, uh, who won the trade? Who would it be, in your opinion? I kind of, I'm leaning more towards Philly just because, and it's like I'm actually really fifty fifty on this, but I'm always going to lean towards the team that got the star out of it because I think Sarich is kind of replaceable. Covington to me is the bigger loss out of those two, but I, I think Philly won the trade just by default because I got the better player. Yeah. Um. Who do you think? I'm actually going to disagree with you. I'm going to say the Wolves won the trade. I think the okay. the Sixers got the best player, but I think the Wolves got the player that the players that are going to fit better around their stars. Even though I don't think Wiggins is a star, but you know what I'm saying. And yeah, Jimmy Butler has a player option at the end of the season to move on. And I think there's a scenario where him and Simmons don't work, and if that doesn't work out. We could leave at the at the end of the summer. You know what I'm saying? Because I right, still think you'd be able to get a contract from the Knicks or the the Clippers or the Nets. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's going to be interesting. Well, it's being reported that Philly and Jimmy are already kind of like in agreement that Philly will offer him the max and that Jimmy will take it. So that's good because this is a great scenario for Jimmy being on a team that is trying to win basketball games. Embiid is like a tough guy. Simmons seems like he's a tougher like mentality guy. So those guys should get along with Ben. I mean, with Jimmy, um, I think this is just accelerating the growth curve for Simmons, where it's like you need at some point he needed to learn how to become an off-ball threat. This is his test now, and it might be really early for him, but it had to happen sooner or later for him. He's not going to know how to shoot this year, but I'm curious to see if like the cutting game steps up, if like he's just able to hang around for more offensive rebounds or something like that. But he's got to like learn how to play a little bit different because it won't work if him and Jimmy are just fighting over the ball all game. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting to watch. Do you think this trade makes Philly better than any of the top teams in the East? Or no? You, I would you still have, think they're... I might have... I might have leaned towards yes if this deal was Sarich and Fultz because I really like Covington for them. But if they, but since they lost both of them, I'm actually going to say it keeps them at more or less around the same level, fighting with Milwaukee. And I guess Boston. If Boston doesn't get a lot better, but I kind of think Boston has their number. Um. I don't know. They they got Jimmy, who's a great defender, a solid shooter, a great shot creator, but they lost defense. They lost just another, like, I guess you could say Sarich for Jimmy is equivalent spacing, let's say, but they lost one floor spacer one way or the other. Um, they lost just some general good players. Like, I don't know. It, it, it'll be tough. I, I don't think they moved up to the top of the uh, East or anything, though. Speaking of Fulge, did you see that free throw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a disaster. And so, yeah, yeah, for listeners who don't know, we're recording this at 10 o'clock on Monday, and the Sixers are playing the Heat right now. And Fultz took two free throws, the first of which had that normal hitchy shot. Well, not normal, but that hit shot that we've seen a lot this season, but he made it. The second one was the worst free throw I've ever seen a point guard take in my life. Yeah, I have a better jumper than him. Yeah, I, sh- I think I shouldn't be, a lot. I it, shouldn't, bro, I shouldn't be allowed to make that statement and, like, it'd be okay. Like, in a way. Like I think if kinda... you walked into your average gym, you'd find yeah. better shooters, like better looking shooters, yeah. Yeah, that's that's insane, bro. Like, it's one thing if you're Sean Marion or Kevin Martin or something and your shot is funky but it goes in, but his is just a disaster. Which is weird, though, because a couple nights ago he had a game where he did this move where he came off a screen, he got to his mid-range, he took a jumper, he splashed it, the shot looked completely normal. All season long, he's like he had this one move earlier in the season where like, he got into the paint, did a spin move, and took like a fadeaway jumper from like ten feet out, and like those moves look really smooth for him. It's just when he has it, that it just looks like a disaster. So that makes me think it's a lot of a like a mental problem, but that might even be more concerning that if it were a physical problem, you know? Yeah, and Jimmy Butler's coming to play with him. I feel <laughs> like if he if he messes up, like Jimmy Butler's gonna go off on him, and I feel like that could mess him up even more. I feel like that'll either be, like, one of the better things that's happened to him or, like, one of the absolute worst things. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah. Um, but, I like, mean, I guess as we'll of, see, man. As of now, though, Fulcher's looking like a bust, bro. I don't like to say that word after a year, especially when your year is, like, I don't know if it's fair to say injury-plagued, but let's just say an injury-plagued first year for him. But, yeah, he's, it's, he's like, one of the worst-looking first picks I've ever seen. Like... At least Anthony Bennett knew how to shoot a jump shot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. 
And, yeah, and you would, and you would ask me earlier if twenty years looking back, we're looking at bad number one overall picks who I think would be worse, Fultz or Bennett. And after thinking about that, I'm going with Fultz because Fultz had way higher expectations, and he was supposed to be almost like a generational kind of point guard talent, and he was supposed to be a great fit on a team that was ready to take the next step. But like, he's kind of holding them back, and he like yeah, he's literally holding them back because. They're, like, trying to fit minutes for this guy to make him more comfortable, but he's just a negative. He's a good defender, I guess, but it's not game-changing defense, and he's just a terrible offensive player right now. Yeah, I agree. And speaking of uh, number one pick, um, we got to talk about yeah. uh, Zion Williamson, bro, briefly. He's not even projected to go number one right now, though, which I don't understand. But um, I think that was true going into this college basketball season because R.J. Barrett, he does look good as well, but in all the highlights we saw, Zion was against like five eight white kids in South Carolina, and he was just dunking every play. So I feel like a lot of people right. were skeptical, like how good is this kid? You know what I'm saying? But after seeing him dominate Kentucky like that, and then they played Army yesterday, and he had mm-hmm. twenty seven points, sixteen rebounds, and six blocks, and each block was insane. Each block was like. Uh, I the block LeBron had in the Olympics in 08. I know you remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The fadeaway one where he's Yeah, he had six of those. Bro, he just dominated, bro. Um, I don't know how this became a college conversation, but if we're talking about guys, bro, Ball Ball looks insane. Oh, yeah. Him too. Yo, he has a jumper. He has more. Yeah, but he's got more question marks around him because, like, I don't even get what position he is because, like, he's not, he's not really fast enough to play perimeter basketball, but, like, whatever. Like, if he's your center, holy shit. Like, he's seven foot three. <laughs> yeah, he's like Kristoff, but he's like more. He's like more skilled though. Like same shot, but I don't more think he, skilled. I feel like he's more like perimeter based. I guess, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like but he can, like, he the ball more. And I was thinking when I watched like highlights of him shooting, I was like, his release is kind of low. But when you're seven three, does that even really matter? Like, who's blocking exactly. that anyways? Yeah, yeah bro. I mean, this class has some crazy prospects. Nah, but bro, back to Zion. He's literally going to be a center in the NBA, and he's going to be amazing. He's going to be a small ball. He's so, going to be saw- like, he's going to be a, he's going to be Draymond, but much bigger, and with the scorer's mentality, and more skill. I do have a lot of questions about his jumper, though. His jumper looks weird. That's fine. Like his arms, he's I know he'll great, figure it out. He's going to be a great jump shooter. Yeah, especially if he's your small ball five, he doesn't have to be. But no one will be able to back him down. Yeah. He's a he's a great rebounder and and he can be like your point guard. Uh, a lot since, of the time, like he can bring the ball up and like execute execute plays. You know what I'm saying? So assuming that Sacramento's pick falls in the top five, it's either Philly or Boston that are adding this guy potentially. Do you know bro, how insane if, that if is? He went to Boston and played next to Al Horford. <laughs> Yeah, that's bro. actually the perfect scenario. Bro, that'd be insane, bro. That'd be insane. A starting lineup of, like, Kyrie, Tatum, Zion, or Hayward, or whatever the fuck you want to do, and Al Horford is disgusting. Bro, and his first step is so quick. It's crazy. Bro, he's 285, and he's quick. I know. He would be the second heaviest player in the NBA right now behind Boban Marjanovic, who's, like, six inches taller than him. No, nah, he's eight inches taller than him, actually. <laughs> Bro, just like you know bro. how crazy that is. I've never seen anything like it. He has a forty-five inch vert, a two-eighty-five, and he's quick. I'm not saying he's the next. He's not the next LeBron necessarily, because if you're the next LeBron, you're the, one of the next five greatest players of all time. But he's a better physical like prospect than LeBron was. You know what I mean? He's an inch shorter, more weight, and can dunk from anywhere. Yeah, bro. Nah, he's gonna be insane. I hope he goes to the right situation. I hope, like, the Magic don't get the first pick and they take him. You know what I'm saying? Oh, me too. I would hate that so much. Exactly. And I, I hope, love the I Magic, hope... but they just can't have another front court guy. Yeah, exactly. So I hope he goes to the right situation. We can get back to the NBA. Yeah. But, yeah, Zion, yeah, he's going to be a problem. Yeah, we got sidetracked there. Okay. So, um, okay, let's talk about the fit now with Embiid, with Jimmy Butler and Embiid all together. Oh, uh, I think it'll work. I think it'll work. I think I just there may be a problem at the end of games where Embiid might want the ball. Right. And I feel like Jimmy Butler is the type of player like, 
why he's going to take the ball and make sure he takes the last shot, you know what I'm saying? Because he sees himself as that type yeah. of player. So I think that could, yeah, he's that always could maybe cause problems. But I don't know. I just – I want to see him defer so bad. I want, Like, he's – he shouldn't have to really defer to Ben Simmons because, honestly, like, Simmons – I mean, uh, Butler is way better than Simmons right now. As long as Simmons is the player he is, Simmons can't create for himself in the half court, which is one of the most valuable skills in the league. I think Embiid is a better player than Butler flat out right now. Oh, 100%. Embiid's like an MVP candidate. He's dominating this year. Yeah, he's definitely 28 a night right now. Exactly. Um, yeah, and he like he destroyed Drummond in their second matchup, I think, of the season. He scored 42 against um, – I can't remember the team, but he had a 42-point night. He's just playing ridiculously. Um, I believe it was against Hornets. Right, right. And so, again, I think just their whole season is going to come down to the dynamic, though, between Simmons and Butler. If Simmons can learn to be an off-ball threat, I think they're going to do great. And if he can't, I think they're really going to struggle. And they're going to have to do a lot of lineups where they stagger those two. Yeah, that and it's going to sound, like, weird. But they need, uh, when it comes time for, like, buyouts and stuff like that, they need to find another Covington and Sarge for their team. I don't – there's – there's not enough – yeah, there's definitely not another Covington, but even if they can add, like, Corver and um, – let's say, like, the Suns buy out Trevor Ariza and he doesn't go to Houston. If they could, like, add a player like that, they just – yeah, they need more 6'8", six, 6'9 six, guys who can just play defense and knock down threes, or at least yeah. knock down threes. Exactly. I agree 100%. I also think – I get – like, people see Ben Simmons as a point guard, so they don't think the Sixers need a point guard, but I kind of think the Sixers need a point guard, at least, like, a good backup point guard. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think Simmons – I don't think in a perfect world Simmons should have the ball in his hands all the time. I think he has, like, potential to be, like, more than that. Like, imagine doing pick and rolls where the pick is being set by Simmons. Like, that'd be really interesting. Yeah, I agree. I would like to see – like someone like Kemba Walker on the Sixers, I think that'd be like a great. Yeah, pick. me too. Like oh, a I like a point guard Kemba, like that. Kemba's a, Kemba's a free agent this summer, isn't he? Yeah, that'd be a cool place for him to that go. That would be. A, yeah, I like that a lot, actually. But I don't know. Um, we'll see. I still don't think the Sixers are better than Toronto or Boston. So. Oh, and yeah, it bears mentioning too. Um, so Philly currently has, let me get the information right. Philly currently has with Jimmy Butler a 30.7 million free agent hold on him. And so because of that, they'll have 21 million in cap for the next summer as long as they renounce all their free agents that aren't Butler and TJ McConnell. And so if they're able to trade faults, that opens them up to really close to a max um, cap slot. So with that in mind, A, it's interesting that Philly has the potential to add a fourth star to this, whether it's Kemba or someone else who I can't really think of, but just they have the potential to either add a player like Kemba or get some pieces that fill out the roster. Either way, I think that's a great move. But with that in mind, do you think the Sixers quietly shot faults this season? I do. I think they give it until... I think they give it till the end of the year, like into January, because he's still the number oh, one like pick. And, yeah, like he's still a number one pick. And... I don't know. That doesn't look good on the organization giving up on him like that quick. And they still want to like, I don't know. Like he was their number one pick. They want to like be proven right. You know what I'm saying? So they're gonna. Oh, yeah, because you want gonna... return on investment. Exactly. Like I think if gonna... the best case, like the best contract in the NBA is a good rookie. You know what I mean? Like it's exactly. the most controllable. Yeah. So I still think they're gonna give it a little more time to see if he can like come around. But with this Jimmy Butler trade, they're showing that they're trying to win now, and obviously it's not gonna happen with how Markel's playing right now. So I think it would be, I think they're going to have to move on from him, honestly. It would be the best turnaround ever if Fultz somehow turned this into being a, a good player. Like, imagine all of this happens, and in two years he's coming off of screens, flashing threes on people. Like, yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> if it, Bro, how he looked in college, like, I thought he was going to be an amazing player. Everyone did. He was the consensus first pick. Like, people thought he was it. Yeah, like, I just don't, I don't know what happened. The comparisons were, like, to James Harden and stuff. Yeah. It's just a now, weird situation. I've never seen anything like it. It's just unbelievable that Philly managed to get the two players who are probably the most, like, intriguing three-point shooters in the league right now and Simmons and Fultz. You know what I mean? Like, 
Both yeah. of them, it's like everyone's crying for them to be good at it, but they're both embarrassingly bad at it. Not even bad. Like, they don't shoot them. Like, they don't shoot them at all. Fultz takes them. When absolutely, like, when he absolutely has to. I know. But, but I mean, yeah, I don't I get why seen. Simmons can't do that. Yeah. I don't think Simmons has ever taken a three. No, he's taken, like, full court heaves, but he's never taken yeah, a exactly. normal three-point. He's never taken, like, a normal, like, half-court offense, like, three. I feel but like it would look really weird to see that for the first time. I do, time. too. <laughs> like, I, think, I think the whole like, arena would be surprised. Yeah. I, I feel like he's gonna make. When he does it. I feel like he's gonna make his first one too. Like the first time he really takes <laughs> one, like I feel like he's gonna make it. With the way the fans treat like it when uh, Fultz shoots, if Simmons were to hit a three, the place might actually collapse from nah, like, bro. Bro, everyone just freaking out. <laughs> um, it'd be insane. Yeah. So, any other thoughts on this deal? Um. Nah. Like I said, I think it's a good deal for both sides. And I think both I'm happy teams Philly are gonna, like took the risk. Yeah, exactly. I think both teams are going to improve from the deal. Although I don't think the Wolves are going to make the playoffs. I think in the long run, this is like I mean, obviously a great deal for them because I think those pieces are going to fit well with Towns. And then for the Sixers, I mean, you were a, what three seed last year, and you made it to the second round. Why not take a chance and get like a top fifteen player and see if you can go further. What's ridiculous, too, is – well, not ridiculous, but worth noting is when the deal happened, Towns said um, that the Wolves were going to miss him, although he used some kind of interesting language that kind of made it just seem like, like, I guess, like, someone will miss him, I guess. But he was saying, like, Jimmy's a hell of a player. Like, you know, he did good things for this organization. We'll miss him. Wiggins told Embiid that he now expects the Sixers to win the East. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Honestly, Wiggins like, and Towns are weird. They're like weird players, bro. Not not weird players. They're like weird, weird people. I don't know. I feel like I don't know anything about Wiggins as a person. Town seems like. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to call somebody a punk, but like, I don't know. He just seems weird. It's just he weird took to the me. high road with this entire situation, though. I thought like he didn't say a single mean thing publicly or like on social media about Butler. Like he played it cool the whole time. So I kind of respect yeah. that. Like, he wasn't trying to feed into it. Um, Wiggins kind of seemed like he was boys with Butler this whole time, which is so weird. But I guess it kind of shows, like, maybe we don't know what's going on. with Like, maybe Butler's beef really wasn't with Wiggins. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Um, maybe maybe it was with Towns, or maybe it wasn't with either of them. Maybe it was just, more, like, really about the organization. Because something he said in his interview, a lot of what he said in the interviews was complete nonsense, and it was just classic, like, athlete not trying to get fined or get himself in trouble kind of talk. But something yeah. he said that I was like, that actually does make sense, was he was saying, like, when the organization brought me in, they were saying, you're, like, the best player, and it's your job to, like, teach Wiggins and Towns how to improve and how to win. But then he saw everyone except for himself get paid. And I was like, you know what? Like, that's actually, like, a really legitimate problem. Like, I get why that would make you angry. Not be, like, because those two did deserve to get paid. But, like, imagine you going to work and, like, your boss tells you, like, yo, train these two people. And then you see them get raises and you don't. You know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, like, I yeah, no, you brought me in to teach them. Yeah, like, when I heard that, I was like, that makes sense. You're mad about that. I get it. And so... Maybe he took the anger out on, like, the two players. He's like, you wanted me to teach these two. These two are nothing without me. They're soft. Like, they need me to become good. Like, I should have gotten that money. Yeah, Although, true. like, it's a whole other discussion about, like, Minnesota literally could not have paid him when he asked for it without destroying the team. And that's just not fair to ask for. But at the same time, Jimmy doesn't have to be fair. It's his money. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, yeah I guess those point. are all my thoughts. Yeah. I guess those are my thoughts on the deal, too. Overall, I think Philly might have improved incrementally, although I don't think they improved enough to necessarily be better than Toronto or Boston. I still kind of think they're about even with Milwaukee, maybe a little bit better. And I think out West, I think Minnesota definitely dropped out of playoff contention. I think they're like the 9 or 10 seed now. Because they're already 4 and 9, you know what I mean? Like yeah, exactly. they, they already had to make ground up. Um, okay, so let's talk about Melo now. Uh, for our listeners, just to recap what's going on there. So the first reports was that the, he was sitting out with illnesses, quote-unquote, but that was just a way for him to not play games. 
Then it was discussed that Rockets management and Melo were meeting to discuss his role with the team moving forward. Then there were reports that the team, the players, the coaches did not, they thought that uh, Melo had played his last game with the organization. And today we're hearing that Melo's representatives have reached out across the league to see where a good potential landing spot would be for Melo. Now they're waiving him, although I think he's just doing that so they can wait until it's official or until like all the uh, specifics are done. So with all that being said, I guess we'll just start with this. Do you think Houston was right for doing this? Do you think this, like Houston's bad start, they're five and seven? Do you think this is his fault? I don't think it was all Melo's fault. I think there's a lot of problems with Houston, but I think he's like the scapegoat, even though he shouldn't be, but he's the scapegoat. And I mean, I knew going into the season, like Melo's just not a good player anymore. Yeah. It doesn't matter what offense you put him in, like what what players you put him around. He's an inefficient scorer who likes to take mid-range shots, and he doesn't play defense. Like he's a liability on defense. That's why he doesn't right. fit. So, I think like Houston's uh, front office like should take the blame for even signing him in the offseason. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. why did they think that he would help them like get to, closer to a championship? To Daryl Morey's and, credit, he took responsibility for this. He was like, this is also my fault. I need to figure this out. Like, he, he understood. I, I think they all knew this was a risk, but. Exactly. So, at the end of the day, it took him 12 games to figure out that like, he's not going to help them get to where they want to go. Even though I don't think he's the reason for their slow start. Right. I think there's I think there's two reasons why the Rockets are starting so slow. One is that they lost like two big parts of their defense from last year. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that everything worked out like great for them last year. Um James Harden and Chris Paul were hitting all those difficult shots, all those difficult step backs and like everything everything fit, you know what I'm saying? Yep. And then I feel like last year was their one opportunity to win a championship. They had the Warriors on the ropes, they had him uh, down 3-2, and Chris Paul got hurt, and they lost. And then they had to split that They had to split that team up. So I feel like they came into this season knowing deep down, like, they missed their, they missed their window. You know what I'm saying? So right. I think, I think Melo's going to be the scapegoat, and they're going to try to, like, I guess figure things out. But what do you think? So I feel you just gave the more nuanced take of saying their problems are offense and defense, which is exactly what the problem is. They're down. So last year they were the second highest scoring team in the league. This year they're the second worst scoring team in the league. They're down 10 points. Their three-point percentage across the board is down, but they're still taking so many because that's just Houston basketball. Harden and Chris Paul are mysteriously both, mysteriously both down a lot from the free throw line. Chris Paul is down like 12%. James Harden is down like 6% at the line. Um I feel like those plays, like the classic James Harden triple threat play where he either takes a step back three and drains it, gets to the rim, hits a layup, gets a floater, lobs to Capella, like just one of those plays where, or it kicks to the corner, just something where he always is generating good offense. I feel like we're just not seeing it anymore. And I understood they were really ISO heavy last year because they found out that worked. But this year, it's like the ISOs don't even have purpose behind them. Can't, like everyone's been pointing out the defense, but to me, the offense is just as big of a problem, if not a bigger problem. And with how much uh, blame has been put on uh, Melo, I feel like attention is going to how bad Chris Paul has started this year. And he's another year of that. But so, so far this year, Chris Paul is giving you 17 points, five boards, eight assists, but he's shooting only 33 down from 38 last year and 41 the year before he's only 40 percent free throws are down from 92 percent to 77 percent um i don't know and it just seems like not as good as last year i just feel like it have reasons to kind of slack off a little more this year harding got his mp after being robbed twice chris paul got the money capella lost their defenders people said yeah people said he got robbed the Westbrook one, and people said he got robbed one of the years that Steph Cur- the the first no, year Steph Curry won. I don't agree with that. Steph but people said it. I remember specifically that on um, the year Steph Curry won the first MVP, they did the players vote, and James Harden won the players vote for MVP. Well, that's ridiculous in my opinion. But okay, that wasn't the unanimous MVP year. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't agree. Yeah, at all though, but. Okay. I, I didn't either, but yeah. 
It was just because, like, Steph only put up, like, 24 and a half points, seven assists, and the team got 67 wins. Whereas that was the year, I think, that Houston, like, Houston or something like that, and Harden was averaging close to 30 with, like, seven and seven. or Like, he was just doing classic James Harden shit. And yeah. so, like, people just saw that. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of feel like their team is a disaster right now, and I don't know why. Like, I don't think anything fixes it particularly. I don't necessarily think it's roster. I don't like roster would help, but I kind of think everyone just has to like play with more urgency. You know what I mean? I mean, I agree with you, but then also it's just they miss the players they let go during the off season. Like, I, I just know. There's a, there's a big difference when James Harden's running through the lane and he kicks it out to Trevor Reza, where even. Like, in the playoffs last year when he shot 0 for 12 from 3, like, your defense is going to run out to him and contest that shot because you think it's going to go in. You know what I'm saying? Right. When it's, when it's James Ennis now, it's just, I don't know, that defender's going to stay a little closer to the paint than he would if it was Trevor Ariza. You know what I'm saying? I just can't imagine that if you were to just magically right now put Ariza onto this team that they would just start reeling off wins. It seems like a bigger problem to me than just they lost Ariza. Um, a reason would definitely help, but it, it, it's something about Harden and Paul. They just don't look right. They're not making their layups, and I get how maybe it's because of spacing, but at the same time, these are the shots they hit like their whole careers. Like they're just missing bunnies to me, kind of. And I, I there, maybe trades would help if anything, just to get new life into the locker room and stuff. But yeah, like I said, I think it's just deep down they know they missed their opportunity to win a championship. Maybe and it sucks because if, if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt and they and they beat the Warriors last year, I think they beat Cleveland easily. You know what I'm saying? I don't think they sweep oh, them, but sure. I think they win in five. And I agree. Like Chris Paul and James Harden would have had their championships, but Chris Paul got injured and I will say, they were up three two and they lost and they missed their window. I will say this: the amount of times over the summer and earlier this season that I like you heard like podcasters and stuff say that when they talk to Houston people, they're still saying we're one Chris Paul hamstring away from a championship. That sounds like an organization that can't let it go. You know what I mean? Like that sounds like a team that really thought like they're hurt that that it ended like that. And they're not like, they don't know what to do now. Yeah. Like, yeah, this team, the way they're playing, they'll make the playoffs, but this is a second round or if they like this team has no shot against the Warriors at all. Yeah, I agree. And I remember going into this uh, season when it, when it first began, like I forget if it was Chris Paul or Clint Capella, like one of the players said, "Oh, uh, like teams get amped when they see that Houston co- is coming to play them." You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I can remember one of the players saying that, and like I don't know. I think that goes back to what you were saying. How oh, we were one. Uh, Chris Paul in- injury from winning the championship. I feel like they came into the season with like a, I don't know, like the wrong mindset or something. But yeah, they just don't look that good, honestly. And and this cross Chris Paul contract is only going to get worse. And it sucks that they weren't able to finesse uh, a deal for Jimmy Butler. Like I I don't know what this team does now because like they're gonna have to like every year I feel like try to get these stars that aren't happy because I guess they kind of have assets but not really. I don't know yeah. this team. They, I think it just like they really did blow their shot last year. It it had to happen because Chris Paul is only going to get older, and when he gets older, he's just going to get even more injured than he currently is. Harden, I don't know, like he doesn't strike me as someone who's going to always be hungry to keep going. You know what I mean? Exactly. I, I don't know. I, I feel bad. I really like as a Spurs fan, you know, like I, I'm supposed to hate Houston and stuff, but like it's kind of sad watching them right now. It doesn't even look like they care about basketball. Yeah, and last year was the ch- was the time to beat Golden State. Like last year, you could just tell Golden State was off the entire year. They were done. Like they had a lot of injuries throughout the year with all their star players, and yep. I don't know. They just weren't playing like inspired basketball the entire season. And even though they won the championship, amazing. yeah. Even though they won the championship last year, like they never like played with like like any passion during the entire season. But like this year, I, I feel like they they know that like there's a chance Kevin Durant might leave, and like it'll never be the same. So I feel like they're they're like playing with passion this year, and no one's gonna beat and they them. They have the cousins, and they have Demarcus to look forward to, like the challenge exactly. of integrating him. They have like exactly. these new guys, McKinney and Damon Jones, who like you know that's cool. Damian Jones, I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. And now I guess it, we're left asking, where does Carmelo end up? Does he end up anywhere? Um, 
I don't think so, bro. Do you? Um, I think. Come on, man. I'm bad. Can you edit this out? No. Oh man. <laughs> nah, bro, you're good. It's over. Um, right. with regards to Melo, I think maybe he's got one more chance. I want to see him go to a bad team. Maybe like that's kind of what I think the only chance for him to revive his career is is to go to a bad team. I keep thinking Memphis would be a decent fit because they kind of have a hole at that position. Yeah. But like, does a does Melo even want to go to a small market bad team just to revive his career? And like maybe Portland could use him, but again, I don't know if nah. like good teams are willing to risk their chemistry and stuff for him. Bro, he's not good anymore. I don't know. He's not a good player. Like he's not gonna help you win. But How would you but you can tell a lot of players. Oh. A lot of players respect him still, though. That's the thing. Like, yeah, Damian fine, Lillard just said something about him. That's fine, but he, he's not going to help your team win. He's, he's right. horrible on defense, but if, and he's not an efficient shooter. Like, But if Damian Lillard goes up to Portland management and is like, guys, Melo is a minimum contract and it's potential offensive burst, I'd like to think that Portland management would be like, okay, Dame, we're going to make you happy. We're going to go get Carmelo. Whether I mean, it's a good yeah, move or not, it's fine, a whole thing. That's fine, but like, it, that'd be a horrible move. But I don't know. I just don't see it. I was listening to a podcast the other day. I forget who it was. But they were saying Melo should just go to, like, a tanking team and just play one more year and just go go for 25 a night, no matter how many shots it takes him to get there. Well, that's what I'm just saying. Like, a team like Memphis. Like, I, I, I like Memphis specifically because it's a good combination of a team that doesn't have huge aspirations, but at the same time, A, has a good point guard to get him the ball and a system and stuff like that. Like, if you went to a team like Cleveland, I feel like he would disappear into completely being irrelevant. You know what I mean? Like, the team would just yeah. suck. He would suck. Um, I don't know. It's, like, it's just insane to think this is a guy who might be out of the NBA next year or even, like, now, you know? Well, you know what's crazy? Yeah. It's crazy how... One person changing teams could like change the entire outlook of a franchise. You mentioned you Cleveland. Mean? You mentioned Cleveland, and I I forgot they existed. Oh yeah, no, they're completely irrelevant now. I think the only game they have on national TV is when LeBron goes back to Cleveland. I literally forgot that the Cavaliers were like an NBA team. They're a friggin' disaster right now, man. Yeah, bro, it's crazy. I feel like LeBron should have won MVP last year just for how bad they looked to start this year. I think bro, it's something he- where. If the MVP was handed out at the end of the season, I think LeBron might have gotten MVP last year. Bro, he took that team to the finals. I know. Dude, they, like, might win, they might win 12 games this year. JR was so bad last year. The new guys they got, Hood and Clarkson, were so bad. Friggin' George Hill is what he is. Super inc- like, yeah, he made Jeff Green look amazing some nights, but Jeff Green is classic Jeff Green and is super inconsistent. Tristan Thompson was a bum for 70% of the year. Kevin Love was hurt and is like, I, I don't, I'm not the biggest Kevin Love guy. I, I don't think he's that great of a second option personally. Although as a Lakers fan, I said this to you before the season. I hope you now understand Kevin Love is better than anyone on the Lakers before LeBron. Nah, I don't agree. He is. I don't he agree. is. I don't agree. He's a better second. How? He's a better second player for LeBron. I don't agree. I'd rather he's have. He's a better shooter than anyone on the roster. There's... I agree with that. There's three players I'd rather have than Kevin Love on the Lakers, though. Who? I don't know. Maybe because I'm biased, but I'd rather have them than Kevin Love. The only player I could understand is Ingram, and even then, Kevin Love clearly fits better with LeBron than Ingram does. Yeah, he fits better, but I'd rather have Ingram. I don't know. I'd rather have... Oh, yeah, yeah. Eh. What does Kuzma do better than Kevin Love, though? Not much. But he gets paid millions of dollars less. Okay, okay. He does just ignore as much. That. Okay, well, nah, he's not as consistent of a score. If you're ignoring salary, then yeah, Kevin Love's probably better than anyone but Ingram, in my opinion. But, but yeah, I don't know. Um. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy now that from the '03 draft class, LeBron might be the only one still doing it. Yeah, I think Melo's done. He's worse than Wade, and Wade's about to retire after this year. He might be worse than Wade. Like, it really, like yeah. Bro, it's not even might. Bro, Melo's – it's so crazy that, like, because he was a, he used to be a superstar, we still, like – I don't know. I feel like we still give him the benefit of the doubt. You know what I'm saying? 
Bro, he's so yeah. bad. Like, he's not a good player anymore. <laughs> but we're still like, oh, it's Melo. Like, like, he can, I don't know, even like going into it, like, oh, he's going to make Houston better. You know what I'm saying? Like, he'll be able he to. Defense. He, had a, like, he had a few 20 point games this year, though. He had a few 20 point games this year, though, on like good shooting. Like, he, he had a yeah. great game against Brooklyn like a week ago. Yeah, or maybe he, a little bit more than a week. If he scores 20, he's giving up 30. I mean, yeah. So, like, but, but yeah. Doesn't <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree, man. But I just like to think that like, if Michael Carter-Williams is still in the NBA, I've got to think there's one more spot for Carmelo, which reminds me, by the way, and I said it on the podcast a few weeks ago, you would ask me who I think the worst player in the NBA is. I'm going to lock in that it's Michael Carter-Williams. I think he's legitimately the worst player in the NBA. Yeah. Bro, he doesn't do anything well. It's actually insane. He's a terrible shooter. He's one of the worst finishers, although this year he's been a little bit better. But, like, especially in Charlotte, dude, holy crap, was he bad. Like, Tony Parker is kind of washed, but Tony Parker is such a huge upgrade over Michael Carter-Williams being your backup point guard. It's amazing. Yeah, um, it's surprising. Tony, uh, yeah. Tony Parker's been playing well this season. Like, he's had a couple of good games. Yeah. Nah, this is how Tony's been for the past, like, two years. He has these streaks where he looks really good, and then I guess his legs get a little bit tired, and then he looks really bad. But when Tony's fresh, he's still a good player. I like. Well, I've always said that. You miss him on the first. Um, so what happened in the summer was that the Spurs did offer him something, but it was kind of one of those deals where it was like you're kind of gonna get paid to be an assistant coach. Like you're really not gonna play much. In a perfect world, I would have loved if we could still have him because like he'd be a great leader and everything. But do I wish he was still playing minutes for us? Not really. It's fun to watch like Derek White play. Bryn Forbes is having like a breakout year, which sounds ridiculous, but he like he knows how to shoot the hell out of the ball, and so it, like I'm playing point guard early has been good for him. I don't know, it, it's it's fun having new life, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's I time for us to move on. Um. All right. So, any other thoughts on Melo or Houston? Not really, honestly. It'll be interesting to By see the way, uh, what they do the rest of the season. Because we're getting to the point of the season where, like, it's not just, oh, it's just early in the season, you know what I'm saying? Like, 20 games we're almost, that we're first on, benchmark. I mean. Exactly. Like, we're almost a fourth of the way through the season. So, like, it's time for yeah. them to start going on that run. Or it's not going to um, By the way, some people have been kicking around the idea of Melo to Philly. Philly would be so dumb to do that. Like, they yeah, better, like it's been reported they're not really interested in that, and I really hope they're not. But, like, that's just a bad idea. I agree. I literally don't see um, anywhere that Melo fits, but... You know what's crazy, though? Like, I understand, like like you just said, it's just the name, but the player Melo is kind of does make sense with Houston. Just, like, a 6'8 guy who can hit threes and who can get really hot. And, like, it, it just it made sense to me, at least. But, like, it's just a... He's not a good enough shooter. That's just what it comes down to. Yeah. Like, he's shooting, like, 32%, I think, from three this year. But if... I'm sure if he was shooting at like 38, 39%, this wouldn't be happening. But if he can't even shoot the ball, there's no point in him playing. Exactly. But it's not fair. He's, he's getting so, blamed for all this. He's so bad on defense. Like the Rockets played so lackadaisical against the Spurs, and Melo didn't play that night. This isn't all Melo at all, but I understand why they're making him a fall guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, man, you want to move on to that all-NBA idea we had? Oh, yeah, let's do it. You go first. Okay, so for our listeners... So we had this idea based on a post we actually saw on Instagram. The idea was that me and Mitch have been watching basketball since like mid-2000s, early 2000s. And so we're going to qualify this by saying we're only talking about players from 2000 onwards. And so the idea is we're just – and we're going to try to incorporate ideas like this more where we talk about like some players we grew up with and players that a lot of our listeners have grown up with. We're just going to make – Three All NBA teams, like how they're voted at the end of the year, but out of players from 2000 until now. So, Mitch, give me your first All NBA team. All right. So for my first All NBA team, I think you should have the same oh, team because so, I I think these yeah, are the five sorry. best players. Hold on, let me cut you off for like one quick qualifier. By the way, to make this a little tougher, and I'm gonna explain to you why this will come up because there's two players this directly like translates to. I I don't want us to um blur positions for example kevin garnett is a power forward in our argument he cannot be listed yeah. at center oh yeah okay. i got you I got you. yep because that's gonna, right. that, for the second team i feel like that's gonna matter a lot but okay go so for my first team i feel like you should have the same first team because these are the five best players from 2000 onward i'd have steph at the point guard position 
Yep. And I have Kobe at the two. Yep. Le- LeBron at the three. Yep. Tim Duncan at the four. Facts. And Shaquille O'Neal at the five. Completely agreed. That's the starting five. Really? That's who you have? Yeah. So I think the way all NBA, this is how we'll do it. We'll do, you could have two guards, two forwards, and a center. Okay. Okay. And what you just said fits it perfectly, and that's completely what I would do too. Second team, I'm sure we're going to disagree a little bit. Give me yours. So just to qualify, we both agree that it should be Steph, Kobe, LeBron, Tim Duncan, and Shaq. I think everyone could agree those are probably the five best players that we've seen from 2000 until now. And maybe Steph seems a little bit weird there just because of how short he's been doing it, but his peak has been ridiculous. Steph deserves to be there. So go now. Second team. Wait, I actually, um, before we go into our second team. Um, yep. How about you rank those players? Can you rank those players from oh. one to five? Yeah, okay. You are going to disagree with me on this. Maybe, actually. Maybe not. I'm going to say LeBron is the best player of those five. Tim okay. Duncan is the second best player. Kobe is the third. Shaq is the fourth. Steph is the fifth. Uh, I feel like you have the same list, but you would say LeBron, Kobe, and then Duncan. Um, I kind of agree, but it's tough. I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say LeBron, Kobe, Duncan, Shaq, and then Steph. But I feel like I'm discrediting Steph because, like, it's No, you're not. Those are four of the top. Those are four of, at worst, the top 12 players in NBA history, the four above him. Steph? Yeah, that's true. But Steph's getting close. Like, he's getting close to that. He really is. I don't think Steph will ever be a top 10 player. Bro, I think he'll win, be 10 to 15. This year, if they win this year and he gets finals MVP, that's four championships, two MVPs, a finals MVP. And, like, like, I think he had either the second or, like, third greatest season of all time in terms of, like, statistics. So, okay, let's talk about this real quick. LeBron is untouchable. We both agree with that, right? Steph yeah. will never touch LeBron. Okay. Tim Duncan, a team that he never won less than 50 games. He stayed with one franchise his whole career. He won five rings, three finals MVPs, two MVPs. So right there, equal MVPs, three more finals MVPs, more rings currently. And again, he did. He was this good his entire career with a falloff, a re- realistically only a big falloff the last year. The other years, it was just down minutes, and he had to change the way he played, but he was really useful up until the last year, which he was just man, but still elite defensively. Kobe, yeah. top five all-time leading scorer, I think, right? Yeah. Maybe three. Okay. Or four. He might be three, right. One franchise his whole career, 60 points in his final game. I don't give a fuck if that matters. It matters to me. Um, like, all the all three for him and Duncan matters a lot to me. I actually could understand Curry being ranked above Shaq. I I rank Shaq the worst out of those four because of longevity. I think that matters. And to me, playing for that many different teams, like it's one thing if you sign with a bunch of different teams like LeBron, but Shaq was just getting traded towards the end. Like teams didn't value him as much in the last like eight years of his career. Yeah. Um, I think Steph could maybe pass him, but I think that would be the farthest he could go in with regards to these three. That being said, though, Steph is ridiculous. He's on our all-time starting five for the past 18 years. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, he's not getting discredited there. Um, all right, man, go, go second team. <laughs> all right, second team. And you said two guards, two, two forwards, guards, two forwards. Yeah, so you could go two small forwards if you want. But Does it have to be a center, or could it just be two big men? It has to be a center. Actually, fine. fine. No, I, okay. no, 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 I want it to be a center. Okay. Then I'll say. Actually, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Since we're ranking the players, it'll like we can do two big men because there's one debate I want to talk about that it would have made a difference for center versus power forward. But go, you can say a big man can be a center if I've at least seen them play center. Okay, so I'll go. I'll go. Man, this is tough. It's tough for my point guard. I'm deciding between either Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, or Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna yeah, say yeah. Kid, Kid Nash is a very good one, and Chris Paul. I'll put Chris Paul with them too. 
I don't know. I, to me, Chris Paul is obvious out of these three. I think a good, but I think Nash Kidd is a very good debate. Yeah. So I'm gonna say Chris Paul. This is tough because uh, you got Iverson too. Yep. Yeah. I'm gonna say Chris Paul, Wade, KD. Agreed. Chris Paul, Wade, KD, Dirk, and Kevin Garnett. Okay, so the whole reason I wanted to do the like one has to be a center is I wanted to see who you would pick between Kevin Garnett and Dirk. Who do you take though, if you only could have one? I take Dirk. It's close, but I take Dirk. What he did in twenty eleven. I agree. I agree, but it's like so we both agree, but most like analysts and like professional writers and stuff easily take Kevin Garnett. Yeah, they do. Or not but easily, but they like definitively do Garnett. I feel like people forget how good Dirk was. And he, bro, he's a he's a top five scorer of all time. Like Not the longevity, the longevity argument you had with Kobe and Duncan, he's in that same mold. Yep. And he beat what was believed at the time to be like the greatest team of all time, and he beat prime LeBron. And they by both himself, have an, yep, they himself, both have an no superstars. Yeah, and with no other superstars, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he did it by himself with Jason Terry and like an old Jason kid. The argument I think for Garnett though is that like. Dirk was better than Pete Garnett offensively, but the difference between their defense was way bigger than the difference between their offense, is the yeah. argument. Yeah, yeah no, nah, I agree. That being said, though, I still take Dirk because he was just unguardable at one point. Yeah, I or, agree. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with your All-NBA team. Now rank them. Those five? Yeah. I'd say Kevin Durant first. Mm-hmm. Then... Then Dwayne Wade. Okay. Uh, actually, no. I'd say Kevin Durant, and then Dirk, then KG, then Wade, and then Chris Paul. Chris Paul? Yeah. Wow, I actually one, think I'm pretty different on this. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to say Kevin Durant first. Then I'm going to say... Wow, this is... This is really tough, actually. You're it's right. Tough between Dirk Maybe and I like Wade. It's like it's like do you put weird. do you put Wade above Dirk and Garnett or no? No. Mm. It's tough, right? I think in all of their peaks, Dwayne Wade was the best of the three, but he didn't last as long. Like that, his peak is pretty short, honestly. Exactly. Because so, the so. the injuries got him midway through. I'm yeah. and I. Chris Paul is like the advanced stats god, and pre- like there's a lot of stats that say he's like maybe the best point guard of all time. I don't go that far, but like he is incredible and has been for a long time. I'm gonna say KD, then Dirk, then wow, yeah, I'm going with this. I'm going Kevin Durant, Dirk, Chris Paul, Kevin Garnett, Dwayne Wade. No, no, I'm oh, wow. not. No, I'm, no, no, I'm not. Oh, yeah. That's so hard, man. I don't know. I actually can't do this one. Yeah, it's honestly tough. Who did you? Who was so you had Chris Paul I last? Said, yeah. And then who? Where? Where'd you put Wade? I put Wade second. Shit, man. Okay, I, I I changed my mind. I'm going Kevin Durant, Dirk, KG, Wade, Chris Paul. So I think me and you did the same. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And last one, man. Third team. 13? All right, so this is going to be very I'm going to go first on this one. I'm going to go go first on this one. Okay. And I'm actually going to get a little controversial with this one. I'm going to go Jason Kidd, Steve Nash. Shit, man. Still got Iverson and James Harden, bro. No. James Harden is the one I'm thinking about. But no, I'm going to go. You know what? I'm dropping Kidd out of this one. Do you remember Allen Iverson? Not, I'm not counting Iverson in this. He doesn't make it for me. Yeah, yo, bro, I love bro, Allen Iverson. You have to remember. You have to remember like the era he played in. It wasn't about like efficiency no, no, no. and analytics. You know what I'm saying? I I totally get it, but especially 2000 on, he wasn't. He was really good only until let's say 2009. Although actually, not because a lot of these guys haven't played that many years. If we're like Steph Curry, only got drafted in 09. 
No, I'm still not putting Iverson in here. I honestly, I think Harden's better than him. All right. I'm going to do... Shit, man. I'm going to do Steve Nash, James Harden as my two guards. Steve Nash and Harden. And then for the forwards, I'm going to say... Ah, shit. (laughs) This is so hard. Okay, I'm just going to say three to start. James Harden and Steve Nash. I'm putting Anthony Davis at one of them. Okay. I'm putting... This is... He didn't put... Kawhi Leonard, if he had done it long enough, would be in here. But, like, he hasn't done this long enough. But I think as a player, he should be here. But I won't put him there. You know what? Carmelo might make this for me. (laughs) Bro, I'm struggling. Tell me yours. All right, so I'm going to go... I'm going to go Allen Iverson. I'm going to go Anthony Davis. I'm going to say Giannis. Even though it's early, like I'm putting him there. See, I don't think, I don't it's, I don't think it's fair to. It's not, but I'm going to put He's him only... there. I guess. I'm going to go Allen Iverson, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Giannis, and... Oh no, this might sound crazy, but I'm gonna I'm I'm stuck between either Jason Kidd and Steve Nash or I don't know, this probably gonna sound crazy. I'm gonna sound like a Lakers homer. Yo, but Pagasaw was like, very oh. good, bro. Bro, he's very good. He was a very no. good like big man. And he won like he's a vital part of two championships. And like I mean he's old I now, but like but it's like a seven, eight year window where like bro, he's a great player, like all star, great player, and two championships. That's yeah. So I think, definitely facts. I think as a big man, like he gets overlooked his impact in the NBA. Right. I don't know. And I wish I wish Chris Bosh didn't get hurt. If Chris Bosh never got uh that like what is it, like the heart uh I forget what he had. Yeah, he had um, blood clots. Blood yeah, clots. I think he'd be up there. Could you imagine if he came to the NBA now, bro? He'd be amazing. I know. He's like the perfect center. Oh. Uh, Okay, you know what? If we're just doing, like, peak player, like, you're going to throw Giannis in there, like, just who we think have been the best, and I have my answer. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to go Steve Nash, James Harden. I'm going to go Steve Nash, James Harden, Kawhi, Giannis, and Anthony Davis would be my five. Okay, that's fair. That's 100% yeah. fair. You know who I'm debating the what most? What about Tracy McGrady, bro? Tracy McGrady was amazing for before he yeah, got he was injured. incredible. He just didn't last long enough to me. And the thing is, Kawhi hasn't really either. But A, I'm projecting him being great for a few more years. And B, he's like he's the best perimeter defender since Scottie Pippen. Like that's just what a lot of people say about him. And I watch Kawhi every game for years. He's incredible on that end. And like the year where like the 2016-17 season was it, where he um played amazingly. Yeah, the 16-17 season, he was just fucking unreal on offense he was like kobe levels incredible just not the volume but like yeah i'm with that the player i'm actually struggling leaving out is dwight yeah i was thinking the same thing and uh real four quick, time you, defensive player of the year finish, my bad before we finish um for our listeners like uh listening you can look at this picture on instagram at uh the swish factor you guys should go look at it so you can see like what we're choosing from and one thing I have yeah, to say is... it's just a 21st century tier. But yeah, Yeah, exactly. And one thing I have to say is, why is Paul, Ger- uh, Paul George in tier four over, like, Giannis and Kyrie? I, I think that's I all know. just based on longevity. But like, Paul, Paul George, George has done, done more... He's just done, He's been a good player for longer than Giannis has. Kyrie? Obviously, Giannis is better than... Um, Paul George, Paul George is better than Kyrie, though, arguably. Like, has been better. So. I don't think so. He's mad at consistent, bro. He has yeah, I know he is, but again, a, elite defender. Okay. All right, you know, so, like so that, rank, it does matter. All right, so rank your five in the 13. Okay, so um, already I have to say it. Steve Nash is last. Um, Actually, yeah, Steve Nash is last. Kawhi is second last. No, 
Um, Giannis is second last. Kawhi is third. Um, Giannis is like second best, and Davis is the best of those five for right now. I think Anthony Davis okay. is amazing, man. Yeah, no, he is definitely. So but my five, in the future, I'm Giannis. Say, yeah, I don't know. I think Giannis might be the best player of this group, and by the end of everything, he might be close to cracking that All NBA second team when it's all said and done. I can guarantee that the um, our first NBA team won't get uh, touched. Like that's not going to change. No oh, one's no, going to five players. It's yeah, crazy no that out of those players. five, it cra- it's crazy that out of those five, Shaq almost seems the most touchable to me. He does, but then he doesn't. When you think of when you look at like how centers are evolving in the NBA today, but I know what you I know what you mean though. It might just be because I'm not used to watching centers as much, and I don't remember Shaq as much. But like, Curry out of that five, like no matter what, he you just can't, you know. Yeah. And I okay. think Shaq was dominant through three championships, but the same thing with Wade, like his peak ended real, very quickly. I know. Like, Miami Shaq isn't that big of a deal to me. He was still really good, but at that point, I would just classify him as a star, like not a superstar. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so who are your five again? Say it. So I had Allen Iverson, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Giannis, and Pagasaw. Rank those five. First, from best to worst, Wait, I'm going to go. I'm sorry, man. That's crazy that you put Powell in there above uh, Dwight. It is, but I don't know. Dwight was amazing. I understand the, the championships and stuff. No, and Dwight Howard was amazing when he was on the Magic. But since then, he's been – he just hasn't been a good player. But, yeah, I mean, cool. when he was on the Magic, like, all those defensive player of the year awards and stuff, he was amazing. But it's been, like yeah. – how I don't know how long it's been since he's been on the Magic, but since then, he hasn't been good. It's been, like, he six, got seven off years. He the Magic in 2011, I think, yeah. I'm saying, so it's been seven years, and he hasn't been good Maybe since Maybe 2012. Then, honestly. You know what yeah. I'm but ranking yep. those five players from best to worst, I'd say Anthony Davis is the best. Yep. And I'd say – I think Giannis is going to be better. But as of now, I'd put James Harden. Yeah, I agree with Giannis. that too. I had them the other way around, but I agree. Yeah. Then Giannis. Actually, I'm going to put Allen Iverson over Giannis. As of now, I think that's going to change yeah, very okay. soon. Like, I think that's going to yep. change very soon. But I feel like we forget how good Allen Iverson was. He took that Sixers team to the finals, and they shouldn't have been in the finals. I know he did on LeBron. So I'm going to say Anthony Davis, Harden, Iverson, Giannis, and then Pagasol fifth. Yep, I agree. You think Um, it's crazy that we didn't mention uh, Russell Westbrook at all? No, I don't. He would be on my next team, though, but no. Um, I mean, like, like, he has the stats, obviously, but just, like, watching him, I don't think it's crazy not to put him there. Um, like when I, like it's crazy that like I remember being a you know when Spurs Suns was obviously a huge rivalry and obviously so was Spurs Thunder and I know like this isn't hindsight bias or anything like that I was way more scared playing Steve Nash than I was Russell Westbrook like mm-hmm. Nash could just impact a game a lot more than I thought Westbrook could because like Westbrook mm-hmm. you're almost counting on him shooting too much you know what I mean like you want him to take too many of those Nash it was like if this guy's taking thirty shots tonight he's dropping forty five and he's getting his ten assists and we're probably gonna lose. And at the end of the day, like, Steve Nash isn't going to lose you a game. Exactly. I feel, like, I feel like Russell Westbrook can shoot your team out of a game. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Like, Nash was never a problem. And, like, and he also yeah. is, like, an engineer of modern offense. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, if we're going to give Curry props for that, we should also give Nash props for it. Sure. I'm, like, I'm firmly on Team Nash for the Nash versus Kid argument because that's one of the biggest all-time arguments is between those two. Yeah, it's definitely cool. Yeah, oh yeah absolutely. And Kid has the huge defensive advantage, too. But, like, yeah, definitely give me Nash. And he took his team to the finals a couple times, even though they never won. Yeah. Yeah, they got smacked by the Lakers and Spurs. But, yeah, that's yeah. something. I mean, Nash would have done it in the East, too. I'm pretty convinced of that. Like, he had to run yeah, into true. such difficult teams. That's he true. ran into Dirk, his MVP year. Mm-hmm. He ran into the Spurs all the time. 
And then later in his career, he ran into Kobe with the, like the Pau Gasol Lakers. That's just a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right, man. Anything else? Nah, I think that's it. That was fun. We definitely have to do more stuff like this. Yeah. So yeah, a hundred percent. Um. Also, we want to say to our listeners, um, it's eleven o'clock on Monday. We're just hearing right now about Karis Levert's injury, so that's why we didn't really talk about it too much. So we haven't even seen it or anything. But uh. Prayers to him, man. He was my vote for so like the early season most improved player, and I think a lot of people agreed. And like he had that huge game winner against uh, the Nuggets the other night. He was just looking legit. He was getting twenty like every night. It's crazy to see it. So yeah. it sucks seeing players like trying to break out and then having like injuries like that. That just sucks. My f- and for, my friend and texted for- me during this. He th- he said it looks like Gordon Hayward's injury. Oh wow, that sucks. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of Gordon Hayward, teammates were crying. Yeah. Speaking of Gordon Hayward, real quick, like he still he still doesn't look hundred percent healthy from that injury. Like he just looks slow now. Yeah, I, he has no burst. Yeah, I know, no burst at all. No, not a lot of confidence either. I like. I wonder if um, Paul George took a little bit of time too. Like, remember when he got his injury? He came back towards the end of the season actually, because he got hurt earlier in the summer and then came back at the end of the season and he didn't look good at all until the next season. So maybe Hayward yeah. will pick it up around December, January, or maybe he just needs this full season to like get back into like the swing of things. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I hope he gets it back. Me too. He was a great player. Like he was like a definite all. Like he made the All Star team in the West. That's really hard, you know. Yeah, and hopefully Karis Levert can come back from injury because he hasn't gotten paid yeah, yet. You know what I mean? And it looks like he's going to try yeah, to get get paid some money. So hopefully, he can and come he back had a lot of. He had like foot injuries and leg injuries throughout college and early in the, his career too. And this was a year where he looked healthy. So that's a damn shame, man. Feels like this is happening like once a year. Like last year, it was Hayward. And I, do you remember Isaiah Cannon had like a really yeah, bad injury too? Yeah. Yeah. I and do. the year before that, it was Paul George. Like this is happening a lot lately. I don't remember like these, like these too gruesome injuries. Too athletic, bro. Too athletic. Yeah. Too high in the air. Too, the game is too fast. Yeah. So like players are just jumping all over the place. But yeah, you know, yeah. prayers to him. All right, bro. Good talking, man. We'll do this again next week. Hi, bro. All right, man. Take it easy, bro. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. It's the Restricted Area Podcast. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud. And on Apple, please rate us, review us, and subscribe. Listen to the show and leave any thoughts you have. And definitely check us out on Twitter, too, at TRA underscore pod. We post thoughts. We post videos. We post just general NBA stuff. Um, Yeah, it's and also feel free to give us some input to there, whether it's just thoughts of what we could do better or thoughts you want to hear on the show, because we're definitely looking for feedback. Because like this last thing we just did on the show, that 21st century tier things, we definitely want to integrate some more of that stuff just to talk about general basketball stuff when we're a little just thinking more creatively than just what's currently going on in the league. So definitely let us know. And Mitch, we'll talk again next week, bud. Talk to you later, man. Hi, right, bro.